on the picture, I have a, on the screen, I have a picture of a sculpture. It's a sculpture of Aristotle, the famed ancient philosopher that influenced much of Western civilization. Not many people know that he not only influenced and had an interest in philosophy and theology, but also had an interest in zoology and biology. Matter of fact, in the year 350 AD, Aristotle made the pronouncement, the claim that the spider was an insect that had six legs. And because it was Aristotle, the brilliant, genius philosopher, no one took the time to actually sit down and count. You don't need a, a master's or a PhD to do this. And it's not like spiders are not readily accessible. And just because Aristotle, the authority, said that, hey, spiders have six legs, they're an insect, for 2,000 years, can you believe this? 2,000 years... The textbooks quoted Aristotle. Finally, a gentleman by the name of Lamarck, 20 centuries later, had the audacity to sit down and actually count the legs of a spider and revolutionary discovery that rocked the community. A spider does not have six legs, it has eight they had to create a whole entire class of animals, arachnids, and the textbooks had to be rewritten. Could it be possible that today we are basing our beliefs upon authorities and not seeing things for ourselves? And friends, it's time that we read less books about the Bible and start reading the Bible. Amen? And so many times we base our eternal salvation upon a theologian, a scholar, a pastor, and base our entire theology upon what someone else says rather than going to the Bible ourselves. Acts chapter 17, verse 11 says, these were more noble than those in Thessalonica, talking about the Bereans, in that they received the word with all readiness of mind and searched the scriptures daily to see whether these things were so. Now, Paul was preaching. He wrote the majority of the New Testament and these Bereans had the audacity to check everything that Paul taught by Scripture. And we need to be the same. Amen? Don't take my word for it. Go back to the Bible for yourself and see whether these things are so. Amen? We don't want to be like the community that trusted Aristotle and find out that we had not investigated for ourselves. I want to invite you to turn in your Bibles this morning. To the beginning of the Bible, we're continuing in our series on the Sabbath, Genesis chapter 2, the very beginning of the Bible, the beginning of creation, God institutes on the seventh day the beauty of the Sabbath, Genesis chapter 2, page 2 in your pew Bible, Genesis chapter 2, verses 1 through 3, 
Thus the heavens and the earth and all the hosts of them were finished. And on the seventh day, God ended his work, which he had done. And he rested on the seventh day from all his work, which he had done. Then God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it because in it he rested from all his work, which God had created and made. You can fill in these blanks in your study guide. Then God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it because in it he rested from all his work which God had created and made. Blessed, sanctified, and rested. I'm going to make a few simple observations. Adam and Eve were not Jews. That may be news for some of you. But at Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob came, came around much later. Some people say, oh, the Sabbath is for the Jews. Adam and Eve were not Jews. This is before sin. Before any Jew, when the world was perfect, God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it. You can see this in your study guide. In Genesis chapters 1 and 2, we discover that God did set a day aside as special. This day was the seventh day of the week. God did three very special things on this day. You can list them below in your study guide. He rested. He blessed and he sanctified, which means set apart for holy use. He rested, he blessed, and sanctified. Set apart for holy use. When you look at the literary structure in the Hebrew of Genesis chapter 2, 2, and 3, you'll notice something very fascinating. Each complete thought and on the seventh day, God finished his work, which he had done. Seven words in the Hebrew. The next complete thought, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work, which he had done. Seven words again in the Hebrew. So God blessed the seventh day and hallowed it. Seven words again in the Hebrew. It seems like Moses and the inspiration of God was trying to emphasize something, make a point. But even more than that, you look at the literary structure of Genesis chapter 1 and 2. It says... The evening and the morning were the first day, evening and morning, second day, third day, fourth day, fifth day, sixth day. Each one of these are mentioned just once. But then he comes to the seventh day and it says on the seventh day, on the seventh day, the seventh day. Do you think Moses, under the inspiration of God, is trying to emphasize something, make a point? In the Hebrew mind, when they wanted to emphasize something, to say that this was important, they would repeat it. Hierocritical scholars, when they were looking at the Hebrew language, thought these guys are archaic, redundant. Why are they repeating themselves everywhere? When God said, in the day that you shall eat of it, you shall surely die, in the Hebrew, it does not say surely die. It says you shall die, die. Impact. This is the climax of the creation story. This is important. This is different. The seventh day, the seventh day, the seventh day. There's something different, unique, holy about the seventh day. As we come to the Ten Commandments, we study this last Sabbath. And if you missed last Sabbath's presentation, I want to invite you to go online and listen to it or watch the video of it. I want to do a brief review. Some people say that the commandments were nailed to the cross and we did this last week, we said that the Ten Commandments was one of the laws instituted by God. It was written by God. It's the only portion of Scripture that God wrote himself. This is so important 
that he decided he would write it himself. The other portions of Scripture, he inspired holy men, and they spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. It's still inspired, but this is the only part of Scripture that he wrote himself, and he did not write it on parchment. He wrote it in stone. Telling us this is unchanging, immutable, eternal. Written by God, written in stone, it was deposited by Moses, according to Deuteronomy chapter 10, verse 5, inside the ark. Inside the ark of the covenant. We also know that the other law, the ceremonial law, was written by Moses. God's law was written by God. The Mosaic law was written by Moses. It was written not in stone. It was written in a book and was deposited by Moses or even by the Levites by the side of the ark. You can see that in Deuteronomy chapter 31, verse 26. Matter of fact, let's turn there very quickly. Deuteronomy chapter 31, verse 26. This is unique. This is different from the Ten Commandment law. Deuteronomy chapter 31, verse 26, page 238 in your pew Bible. 239, Deuteronomy chapter 31 and verse 26, 239, it says, Take this book of the law and put it beside the ark of the covenant of the Lord your God, that it may be there as a witness. What does your Bible say? Against you. It was to be against the people. Why was that? It was a book of blessings and cursings, meaning that if they kept the book of the covenant, they would be blessed. If they did not, these terrible things would happen to them. So this was to be against the people. And we said last week that this is the exact blueprint, the exact law that's mentioned in Colossians chapter 2, verse 14. Having wiped out the handwriting of requirements, which is Greek. In the Greek, it's the word dogma that was against us. There you have it. The same tag as found in Deuteronomy chapter 31, verse 26. It was to be against the people. This was wiped out at the cross, which was contrary to us. He has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross. When Jesus died on the cross, the temple veil was rent from top to bottom. Praise the Lord that every time we sin, we don't have to bring a lamb into the sanctuary and kill it for, the, for our own forgiveness of sins. Praise the Lord for that. Jesus is the Lamb of God. All of those types, the sacrifices, the festivals like Passover, Day of Atonement, Feast of Tabernacles, those were ceremonial Sabbaths that we no longer have to keep anymore. Those were nailed to the cross. Billy Graham was asked the same question. Some religious people that I know tell me that the Ten Commandments are part of the law that, I do, that do not apply to us today. They say that as Christians, we're free from the law. Is that right? This is the answer from Billy Graham. Graham, no, it is not right, and I hope that you will not be misled by these false opinions. It's very important that Christians understand what the Bible means when it says they are free from the law. It certainly does not mean they are free from the obligations of the moral law and are at liberty to sin. You see, the word law is used by the New Testament writers in two senses. Sometimes it refers to the ceremonial law of the Old Testament, which is concerned about ritual matters and regulations of that kind. The ceremonial law was of a passing character, and it was done away with, listen to this, when Christ came. From this law, Christians are indeed free. But the New Testament does also speak of a moral law, which is of a permanent, unchanging character, and is summarized in the Ten Commandments. 
This law sets forth God's demands on human life and man's duties to God and to his neighbor. That it definitely applies to Christians is made clear in Romans chapter 13, verses 8 through 10. So the Ten Commandments are still binding. And you'll find today that the majority of people still believe that it's wrong to kill, it's wrong to steal, it's wrong to commit adultery. Those are all part of the Ten Commandments. Let's go to the Ten Commandments. Let's go to Exodus chapter 20, verse 8 through 11, page 83 in your pew Bible. At the heart of the Ten Commandments, we have the Fourth Commandment. Page 83 in your pew Bible. Exodus chapter 20, verse 8 through 11. It says, Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord. Your God, in it you shall do no work. You, nor your son, nor your daughter, nor your male servant, nor your female servant, nor your cattle, nor your stranger who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made the heavens, the earth, the sea, and all that is in them, and he rested the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and hallowed it. There you have it on the screen. Tells us to remember the Sabbath day, to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. I want to point out a few simple observations. First of all, it begins with the word what? Remember. We said last week that some people say that God wants to give us a 10% discount on the Ten Commandments. You should keep nine of them. Don't steal, don't kill, don't commit adultery. But when it comes to the Sabbath, you shouldn't keep that one. Isn't it ironic that the only commandment that begins with the word remember is the one they're telling us to forget? That just doesn't make any sense. It says, remember the Sabbath day. Some people, well-meaning Christians, say, David, I keep every day holy. You heard that before? I keep every day holy. Well, most of you work this week. This commandment says that the way we keep a day holy, it says, six days you shall labor and do all your work. But on the seventh day, the Sabbath of the Lord your God, in it you shall do no work. So the way that we keep a day holy is by not working on that day. We can live holy lives by the grace of God. But in order to keep a day holy, the Bible says we should not work on that day. This commandment also says that we should not be lazy. Amen. It says that we should be industrious. We should work. But God gives us, praise the Lord, a day off. He says, I want you to take this day off with me. I heard one person say that there is no connection between Genesis and Exodus. Between the commandment of Exodus chapter 20, verse 8 through 11, and Genesis chapter 2, verse 1 through 3. I'm so glad you don't have to have a PhD. You just need to read the Bible. Look at this. It says, for. What does that mean? That's the reason. This is the theological imperative for why we should rest. For in six days the Lord made the heavens, the earth, the sea, and all that is in them, and rested the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and hallowed it. In other words, this is the theological reason. Because God blessed it, he rested, he sanctified it. That's why we should keep it holy. The heart of the Ten Commandments. We move on. You can see this in your study guide in Exodus chapter 20, the chapter containing the Ten Commandments. God reminds his people about the importance of the Sabbath. We can be sure that God was reminding them about the day because he begins the command with the operative word, the word remember. 
Don't forget who wrote the law, God with his finger on tables of stone. And it was placed inside of the ark. God wrote this law on stone to show that it cannot change. God made this day holy in Genesis. And here in Exodus reminds his people about it. It's worth noting that only God can make anything holy. I praise God that he did not make a place holy and say on the seventh day, go to this place, Jerusalem. That would get very expensive. But God made time holy so that wherever you are in the world, this sacred, holy time passes over us like a wave. Only God can make anything holy. In this case, he made time holy. My birthday is on October the 5th. I couldn't find a picture with October the 5th. What is a birthday? It's a memorial of you coming to this world. I don't know why we give the person that was born presents. You should give it to your mother. But this is a tradition. If someone came to me and said, I know your birthday is on October the 5th, but I'm kind of busy that day. I want to celebrate it in January. Uh, I would say thank you very much, but it, it just wouldn't be meaningful. They say, oh, it's just a day. It doesn't matter. Well, it matters to me because I wasn't born in January. I was born in October. What if, husbands, you told your wife, anniversary, oh, it's just a day. I can celebrate any day I want. Uh, don't try that. You might be sleeping on the couch, by the way. Because it does matter. Well, God has feelings too. Amen. And God says, look, the seventh day matters to me. And that's what really should matter if we love the Lord. He says, look, this is, this is an anniversary of creation. And I want you to keep it holy by the grace of God. The seventh day matters to God, and that's why it should matter to us. Now, moralists and very bright individuals that are into ethics have come to logical, reasonable conclusions regarding other parts of the Ten Commandments in the Decalogue. They've said, oh, it's not good for society that we kill. It's not good for society that we steal and cheat. It's not good for society that we do these other things. They can come up with rational, rational, reasonable reasons for these things. But the Sabbath is the only commandment that they can't just, they can't come to a conclusion about it because the only reason to keep the Sabbath is because God said so. That's it. God said so. And because we love Jesus, that's why this anniversary matters to us. If you love your wife, you're going to care about the anniversary because you love your wife. It's not just about a day. It's what the day means. We move on. How do we know which day is Saturday or Sabbath? It's Saturday. Uh, you look up Saturday in Webster's Dictionary. It says the seventh day of the week. Matter of fact, in over 140 languages of the world, the word for seventh day is the Sabbath. In Spanish, what is the word for Saturday? Sabado. All right. And we have a list of these here on the screen. You can see them there. Over 140 different languages. Saturday, literally Sabbath. What else does it mean? 
If you look in Ezekiel chapter 20, verse 12, Moreover, I gave them my Sabbaths to be a sign between them and me that they might know that I am the Lord who sanctifies them. Sanctification is a process, a part of salvation. When you do a painting, what do you do after you complete the painting? You sign it. God creates his masterpiece, planet Earth, six days. On the seventh day, he places his signature, the Sabbath. God takes you from the depths of sin, gives you justification, begins the process of sanctification, and he says, look, my signature is the Sabbath. It's a sign. On the screen, I have a picture of arguably the most famous painting, the Mona Lisa, painted by Leonardo da Vinci. And one of the fascinating elements, one of them, is that this painting, for many years, was thought to have never been signed by the genius from the Renaissance, Leonardo da Vinci. It was in 2006 that a group of scientists were looking at the Mona Lisa under a magnifying glass, and they looked at the left eye of the Mona Lisa, and they saw inside the left eye the letters L-V, Leonardo Vinci. He signed his masterpiece after he had completed it. In the same way, God wants to put his signature upon you, and it is the Sabbath. So every Sabbath, you remember your creator, you also remember your redeemer. Moving on in our study guide, according to Ezekiel 20, verse 12, the Sabbath is a sign that God, it is God who can make us holy. Amen. It is God who can make us holy. Of what two things is the Sabbath a sign and a symbol? We've discussed it already. The Sabbath is a sign of creation and salvation. The Sabbath is a sign of creation and salvation. Moving along very quickly, just as Adam and Eve were called to rest in and remember God's work of creation, so too are we called to rest in and remember God's work of salvation. We cannot earn salvation. We must rest in the salvation that has already been won for us by Jesus Christ. God is both creator and savior, and the Sabbath is a powerful sign and symbol of that fact. I've heard the statement before that the Sabbath is actually works. I'm, I would beg the contrary. The Sabbath is actually rest. Amen? You're telling them to work. I'm telling you to rest. And actually, it's a testament that every Sabbath, that we're not saved by our works. We can rest in God's care. It's a symbol of salvation and creation. There's a blessing for keeping the Sabbath, Isaiah chapter 58, verse 13 and 14. If you turn away your foot from the Sabbath, from doing your own pleasure on my holy day and call the Sabbath a delight, the holy of the Lord, honorable and shall honor him, not doing your own ways, nor finding your own pleasures, nor speaking your own words, then you shall delight yourself in the Lord and I will cause you to ride on the high hills of the earth and feed you with the heritage of Jacob, your father, the mouth of the Lord has spoken. There's a blessing for keeping the Sabbath. There's a special element of the Sabbath in which people that keep this day are blessed by God. I heard the story of a man that had a furniture business in a small town. And the competition was stiff. There were a myriad of other furniture companies. And this man found out about the Sabbath. He was convicted about the Sabbath. He read in Exodus chapter 20, verse 8 through 10, about the way to keep the Sabbath. And he made the decision 
by faith to close his business on the Sabbath. And it was the day that he had the majority of his business and profit came in on Saturday. And his competition thought that he had lost his mind, that he was going to go out of business. A few years later, there was a great recession. Every furniture company in that town went out of business except for his. He became the largest, the only furniture business in that town. I could tell you other stories, but God blesses those that keep his Sabbath. The Bible tells us, I will honor them that honor me. Amen? Let's move on. What about Jesus? They say, oh, the Sabbath was Old Testament. That's Old Covenant. Well, you see here in Luke chapter 4, verse 16, that Jesus kept the Sabbath as well. So he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up, and as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up to read. Other parts of Scripture, he tells us that he is Lord of the Sabbath day, that the Sabbath was not made for man, but man for the Sabbath. Jesus kept the Sabbath. Other people say after the resurrection, the Sabbath was no longer instituted anymore, that we keep Sunday in honor of the resurrection. You can find no place in Scripture that the day was changed from the seventh day to another day. Here's a reference. I can give you more. I'm just going to give you two in Acts chapter 13, verse 14. But when they departed from Perga, they came to Antioch in Pisidia and went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and sat down. Here's another reference in Acts chapter 16, verse 13. And on the Sabbath day, we went out of the city to the riverside where prayer was customarily made. And we sat down and spoke to the women who met there. You can see that in the book of Acts, in the New Testament church, the Sabbath was still kept by the apostles. There was no change mentioned in Scripture. I have a quotation here from a Catholic cardinal, and I appreciate his honesty. You may read the Bible from Genesis to Revelation, and you will not find a single line authorizing the sanctification of Sunday. The scriptures enforce the religious observance of Saturday. Now, why do people keep Sunday? Now, you won't want to miss part three, which is not next week, but the week after. And we'll go through and discuss how this change happened and why the majority of Christians today keep Sunday. But here is the honesty of this Catholic cardinal, and I can give you other quotations, I'm only going to give you one, but he says, look, you can search the scripture all the way through, and you're not going to find a single reference saying that the Sabbath was ever changed. Some people say we keep Sunday in honor of the resurrection. In scripture, you'll actually see that baptism is a memorial of the resurrection. When you go down into the water and come back up, that is the memorial of the resurrection, and that is what was instituted in the New Testament church. The Sabbath remained all the way through scripture. What about the Lord's Day? Some people say that the Lord's Day is Sunday. And here is a reference to the Lord's Day in Revelation chapter 1, verse 10. I was in the Spirit on the Lord's Day, and I heard a voice, I heard behind me a loud voice as of a trumpet. And many people have this question about the Lord's Day. When you look in Matthew chapter 12, verse 8, it says, For the Son of Man is Lord even of the what? Even of the Sabbath. So the Sabbath is the Lord's Day. What about in heaven? Moving quickly. Are we going to keep the Sabbath in heaven? If you look in Isaiah chapter 66, verse 22 and 23, for as the new heavens and the new earth, which I will make, 
shall remain before me, says the Lord, so shall your descendants and your name remain, and it shall come to pass that from one new moon to another and from one Sabbath to another, all flesh shall come to worship before me, says the Lord. We're going to keep the Sabbath in heaven. There's a portion of this I want to point out very quickly. Notice the last part. It says, all flesh shall come to worship before me. It gives an indication as to how we are to spend the Sabbath day. A part of that is worship. I'm not saying that there aren't Sabbaths that you could spend at home, but I would say, or in nature, but that is the exception and not the rule. Amen? The Bible tells us that we are to come together on the Sabbath day. You ever find that if you're not coming together with God's people, you start to get a little bit weak spiritually? That's because we need each other. And wherever the gospel is being proclaimed, Jesus says, there I am in the midst of them. We have just seen from Genesis to Revelation. In the book of Genesis, it says that the Sabbath was instituted at creation. Before sin, before there was any Jew, it was at the heart of the Ten Commandments. God began it with the word, remember. We go to Ezekiel and we see that the Sabbath is not only a symbol, a memorial of creation, it's also a sign of sanctification, of salvation, redemption. We see that there's a special blessing for keeping the Sabbath in the book of Isaiah. Jesus kept the Sabbath. The apostles kept the Sabbath. The Lord's Day is the Sabbath. And we're going to keep the Sabbath in heaven. Isn't it only logical that we should keep the Sabbath now. What is the Sabbath really about? Well, it's really about Jesus. How many times has a loved one in your life, whether it be your spouse or your children, said, I wish you would spend more time with me? Have you heard that before? There's a relational element with time. And this is what God is saying. On the seventh day, I want to spend time with you. And my appeal to you today is, is it your desire to make time for him? Let's bow our heads together as we pray. Our Father in heaven, we thank you for the Sabbath. We thank you that you are a relational God that highlights memorials, anniversaries, time with your people. And we pray and ask today that the work that you started in our lives, you will be faithful to complete. We thank you for the God that works in us both to will and to do of your good pleasure, that every Sabbath is a testament that we cannot work our way to heaven, but we can rest in the assurance that you will work in us and through us. Bless and keep us to that end. Help us when we can't help ourselves. Take our hearts because we cannot give them. We thank you for this gift that you have given us, that every seven days we are to remember where we came from, that we have a future ahead of us, that we did not come by chance, but that we have a purpose and meaning for this life. We thank you for these things, for we ask these things in Jesus' name and for his sake. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit 
www.audioverse.org.